Welcome to the Phil Nason Show, brought to you by PlayUp Sportsbook. PlayUp welcomes all bettors and offers the best prices on the market. They are also proud to be an official betting partner of the New Jersey Devils. Check them out online or in the App Store and see for yourself why PlayUp is your best bet. You're listening to a pre-recorded edition of the Phil Nason Show. The Phil Nason Show. Download us at your favorite podcast catcher, including iTunes, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, or Google Play, and please leave a review. You can follow Phil on social media at Cash with Flash and like our Facebook show page. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Phil Nason Show. Welcome to the Phil Nason Show. I'm excited to have you here. Our goal and mission in life is to make you a smarter sports better, and we think we got you covered, at least for today anyway. We are presented by PlayUp Sportsbook. PlayUp.com is the one-stop shop for all your online sports betting needs. Head on over to PlayUp and find out why PlayUp is always your best bet. Trevor from Big Tasty Sports is in the house. What's happening, dude? You know, not too much. Just grinding away through this NBA season and trying to figure out how everything's moving. So things are going all right, man. It's Glad good. to be back with you. Oh, it's, it's great to have you here, too. I enjoy your transparency. Plus, I enjoy the effort that you put in. A lot of people don't put that effort in. And you do. And, and you know, losing streaks happen. It's a part of the business. The yeah. greatest handicappers that I know were probably 60% success rate in a sport. So, you know, that means you're going to lose 40% of the time, guaranteed. <laughs> That's true. It just it happens at the wrong times, man. That's the only problem, right? Exactly, exactly. That's why I have BetStamp tracking my picks on the show. And they also track the picks from our Wolf Line Sports Trading newsletter. It gives me a chance to go back and look sometimes and say, boy, I was a dumb dumb. Like last night I played the Bucks minus five. That was in the bag, too. I mean, it was. that was in the bag. And, and so I don't feel bad about that. You know, they just didn't perform. Trey Young hit a couple 40-footers and, and turned things around. But uh, what's happening with you over there? And, and, and what are you up to? Talk about the podcast a little bit before we get into some uh, NBA chatter. Sure, I'd be glad to. I'm actually pretty excited about the podcast just because it is a product I think I would want to listen to if I wasn't doing it. So the the core thing is just a daily breakdown of all the NBA games, looking at trends and analysis. And I do, sh- you know, I have guests on at times too, and I do share things that I like in the games. But part partly in line with what you're trying to do here, I'm also just trying to share a lot, a lot of good information. So if people have a lean one way or another, maybe they hear something that's helpful to them in those breakdowns. And then I do episodes here and there that are a little different. In fact, today, because there's only two games, I'm going to cover those games, but then also talk about six players uh, who really have a big impact on their teams in different ways than you'd expect. So dive into some of those different things that pop up through the numbers from time to time. And you should all go over there and listen. You can follow Trevor at NBA. T-T-A-C-K. I got it right. You got it right. Oh, see, that I, I, it's the lack of sleep because the Australian Open has been going on. And uh, I, I stayed up a little late watching a couple of my former students, so it was just fun. 
You can get our picks over at betstamp.app for all the tennis, by the way. And uh, full disclosure, we've been struggling a bit, but that's okay because we're still the best handicapping team in tennis. We know that. You know that. And we'll be back on track. Now, the NBA. I've ridden the struggle bus, or I think I was. I think I'm off the struggle bus now the last 10 or 12 days, I guess. I haven't really looked. I just put picks up there, and, uh, you know, I haven't heard any complaints, so I think I'm doing all right. I think yesterday the Bucks game was the first one I missed in a few days with NBA, and I send you my premium picks as part of my transparency people. But the Bulls, now if you'd have told me at the beginning of the season, Trevor, that the Bulls would be in first place in the Eastern Conference on January the 18th, I would have laughed hysterically. But they're there. Four-game losing streak. You like this team, the Chicago Bulls? Man, this is a team I feel sort of two different ways about. So number one, I think their ceiling is really high. Yes. Because what they have is they have multiple players who are capable of taking over games in Levine, DeRozan, uh, and Vucevic. However, what, and, and obviously Zach Levine's out right now. It sounds like his MRI came back okay, so he may not be out too long, which is a good thing. But the thing that frustrates me about them is the way they play sometimes. There are multiple times where Vucevic is inside and dominating people. He has this nice little kind of half-hook shot with his right or left hand that's fantastic. But he, he scores two or three times in a row, and then he just stands out by the three-point line. And they don't go back inside the rest of the game. The other thing that frustrates me is they have DeMar DeRozan playing point guard a lot of the time, and he is a ball-dominant player, but he ends up just going one-on-one so much where he could be creating great shots for his teammates. And so I feel like if they can get those things figured out, this really is a contender, but they need to figure out the best ways to play together. You know, I I agree with that statement. Like I said, I, I don't think much of them. I'm not a big DeMar DeRozan fan, really. But that doesn't mean anything because this is sports betting talk, and I don't really have to do that. I don't need to let my fandom or my hater stuff go into the mix. But here's what I like about the Bulls. They're a team, when they play at home, I play because they're 13-8 and against the spread. They're the fourth best team at home this season cover-wise in the NBA, so I like them. And uh, on the road, I don't bother with them because, you know what, if they don't win 60% of their or cover 60% of the time, I've come to find out that I'm not interested in them anymore. I think that's a great angle to look at in terms of those home and away splits cuz and certainly not just for the Bulls, there are quite a few teams yep. where those splits are pretty, you know, when you look at those there are some teams that are kind of right in the middle in both cases, but there are some where it's really pronounced. And I have some. I'll give you the whole list. Maybe yeah. that's how we'll do this. So so sure. my favorite team to play at home this season is the Charlotte Hornets. They're 14-4-0 against the spread at home. Uh, the Cavs are right behind them at 14-6-1 at home. Golden State, who we're going to talk about in a little bit, yep. is 14-6-1 at home. The Bulls, as I mentioned, 13-8. and And the New Orleans Pelicans are 13-8 and against the spread when they play at home. Yep. Those teams, all I like at home. You know, one thing that I would add in, in addition to just looking at those season-long numbers, Mm -hmm. I think you do also have to pay attention to how things might be trending for teams where the splits look wide. And I'll give you an example. 
the Portland Trailblazers early in the season, it was just an auto bet when they were away from home. They were terrible. I think at one point they were 0-9 against the spread away from home or something like that. Yep. Now, they're not phenomenal by any means, but it does feel like they're starting to turn things around. And one of the things I always have to wonder when I see these splits that are so wide is, is that indicative of what's going to keep happening? Or are we going to see some regression back toward the middle because it's been so pronounced one way or the other? And I think in some cases, teams are just great at home. But then there's other cases with teams like Portland where I think, uh, they're probably not going to get over 500 against the spread away from home, but it's probably going to come back toward the middle a little bit. That's a great point, too, um, and, and I do that, but these are teams that I just automatically play, it seems. I, yeah, those I records you shared were, were great. I don't mind those, uh, but you know what else I use that for? Money line plays, because, you know, sometimes, like a Cleveland could be playing, say, I don't know, Utah, for example, at home. Cleveland's a really good team at home. And uh, so I, I might take a shot. But then that's just part of what I have to do. And we're going to get into that. But while we're on the subject of home teams, here's the ones I fade every time. I don't even look at them anymore. Orlando, 4-14 four and 14 against the spread. They are a dumpster fire. They make me nervous, and, and, and I can't play them. Brooklyn, especially now at home without Durant, with part-time Kyrie. I can't do that. They're five and seventeen against the spread, Trevor. When they're playing at home, Houston seven and thirteen at home against the spread. Utah eight and fourteen against the spread, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that they're probably winning these games but not covering. But it's because these spreads are enormous, and I don't think their offense is as explosive as the odd makers want us to believe. And then, of course, another my last home team that I automatically fade. Is the Milwaukee Bucks at eight and fourteen? Yep. So I'm with you, and I would just just to add a little bit mm-hmm, of please. maybe color or perspective to why those teams are so bad at home. Orlando can't score at home. They're under a hundred. I'd have to go look at my exact notes, but they're under a hundred in a majority of their games when they're right. playing at home, and they've been actually okay on defense. They're not giving up massive amounts of points but they just can't score. Brooklyn is exactly the opposite where at home they give up a ton of points. They've given up 110 plus in almost all of their home games since Christmas. Right. And so sometimes they score and sometimes they don't, but to your point with Durant out now, it basically comes down to Harden to do all the scoring. Mm-hmm. And so that's a reason that I think they and they're a team like you mentioned with Utah where they're not covering spreads. I think Brooklyn is the same. They get really, I had written that down in my notes that they get really inflated lines because they have this reputation of being a great team and they can be if everybody's healthy, but they still, I think still have the shortest odds to win the championship and they're just not playing that way right now. And so I think you get a discount on the teams they're playing a lot of times because of that. I think you're right. I, I do think you're right, but this is just like where I start. So, like, I'm going to fade Orlando <laughs> because right. that's just what you do, right? And, and it helps me narrow it down, especially these bigger slates where there's eight, nine, ten games or more. Now, since since we're talking about splits, I've got away teams now. You want to hear my list? Yeah. Because I, I have a dead-to-me list in the NBA also, and maybe we'll get to that later or the next time you come on. Memphis, I will always play them on the road, 15-5 and five against the spread. Cleveland, 15-7. and seven. OKC on the road is 14-7 and seven against the spread. 
Now, there's a caveat there. I have to make sure who they're playing first. Um, the Phoenix Suns, 13-8. and eight. I'm playing them every time on the road if I can. And the Minnesota Timberwolves, who have a road game tonight against the New York Knickerbockers, 13-8 and eight as the away team. That's not a bad list for me anyway. No, it's a great list. And I think a lot of those teams are going to continue to be strong on the road. They just have games that travel well. Like when you were talking through those different teams, Minnesota might be an outlier because their defense can be pretty hit or miss. Mm -hmm. But those other teams play solid defense. And so they keep themselves around in games. And then especially Memphis, Memphis, Cleveland and Phoenix obviously have strong offenses where they're able to, to stretch things out. Oklahoma City, maybe not so much, but they tend to play pretty good defense and especially on the road. So I think there are just teams like that that do their games travel well and are not quite as inconsistent. And I think you just laid out a good list of those teams. Well, I've got a list of teams that fit that second criteria of yours. They're not very, they're very inconsistent as away teams. I usually use the term lousy, but either way, I think inconsistent (laughs) is, 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 is a kinder way of doing this. It's because you went to a different school than I did. Portland, five and thirteen against the spread on the road. Fade them. They're awful. Lillard out. McCollum's probably getting traded. And unless you want to watch Nasser Little dunk all night, they're not. They're not even worth the time. New Orleans on the road, seven and sixteen against the spread this season. Washington. Now this one I put a caveat next to Trevor because a lot of their away games they have issues with injuries and COVID. Um, they're seven fifteen and one against the spread on the road. Atlanta Hawks eight and fifteen on the road. Sacramento Kings seven and twelve on the road. Denver Nuggets nine fourteen and zero against the spread as the away team. Go ahead, tell me what I missed. No, I think I think you're hitting it, and I don't have all the home and away splits right in front of me, but you are hitting on a lot of teams who tend to be very inconsistent. Uh, I think the the Toronto Raptors are another one to me, and I'd have to look at their home away, but they are a very inconsistent team. And I like to, this is a little bit different angle, but I like to look to play them when they play teams that are going to push the pace and speed them up because they like to slow it down for some reason, but I think they play better when they play faster. Mm -hmm. But that's another team that's just very up and down, and you really have to look at the situation whether you want to play Toronto or fade them. So, uh, and then Indiana's another team. I was going to say they've been terrible on the road, but they've kind of been terrible just overall this year. So the splits probably aren't as wide. They, they just are pretty bad in general. You know, but Indiana, I, I think they have a bit of an excuse because they don't really know what they want to do as an organization. They got that kid Sabonis, who's a double-double machine, like Vucevic used to be. And, you know, he's not happy there probably. And then they're talking about trading Levert. And they're talking about trading this one and that one. And, and I think these young people make so much money, Trevor, that they just don't – they just shut it out and then stop giving a crap. Why should I help Indiana win when I'm not going to be here to enjoy it? So you never know. But when you look at these standings, though, did you think that the Miami Heat would be the second seed in the East? Brooklyn, with all their mess, third seed in the East. Cleveland, fourth seed? Go ahead. 
Yeah, I actually – so I didn't think that the – I was actually surprised when I looked back at these standings and saw that the Heat were still second in the East because of all the stuff that they've been through. Mm-hmm. But they're actually one of my teams to watch right now, one of just a few teams that I highlighted because they have Jimmy Butler back and they just got Bam Adebayo back. And if you remember back toward the beginning of the season, they were off to a really hot start. And I watched the game last night because I had a a bet on that one, which thankfully that one did come through. But, man, with Adebayo and Butler on the court, they are ferocious on defense when they decide to be. And they have good shooting around the perimeter, and Adebayo and Butler take pressure. So Hero and Robinson are great shooters, but it's hard when a defense can key on you because you don't have anything else. But when Butler and Adebayo are tough inside, all of a sudden it opens up those shooters. So... I think Miami is a team that we should be really paying attention to right now to look for for good spots to bet them because they haven't been great for a month plus, but now they're finally getting healthy. And that makes a lot of sense. You know, uh, I I like the Heat. I'm a Knicks fan, so I I really don't like the Heat, but I do like the Heat. They're 7-3 in their last 10 games. But this is something else that I look at when I look at these standings. I look at point differentials. And Miami has the second highest point differential on the positive side in the Eastern Conference with Cleveland being the top gun. There's only six teams, I think. Hold on, i tell you. One, two, three, four, eight teams. Eight teams in the Eastern Conference have positive point differentials. How much stock do you put in that? Yeah, I definitely do. I, I mean, I think part of what it shows is are these teams that kind of let go of the rope when the going gets tough? Because if you see a point differential that's negative or or not very positive, what it probably means is that they're losing some games by double digits, even 20 plus points. And I want a team that's going to stay in there and fight when it gets going. They're going to make a comeback. You know, if I'm putting money on a team, especially I want them to fight until the end of the game. And I think point differential does speak to that some. And I think it does too. And and I'm telling you, I'm looking forward to this Eastern Conference because it looks pretty tight. You know, you've got these teams. And then you've got teams like the Knicks. And you've got teams like uh, Atlanta who are right outside the uh, top. And you wonder, how are they going to make the playoffs? You know, how do they make the playoffs when they uh, get outscored every night? Yeah, well, the Hawks in particular have been terrible on defense, where the Knicks have been good on defense but can't do much on offense. So I I actually think that it's possible, especially as Capella comes back, the Hawks could make enough of a run to get themselves up into the playoffs. I don't think they're one of the top teams in the East, but you made a good point about how tight everything is. When I look at that list of teams, the only ones that kind of scare me right now, if I'm in the East, are the Heat and the Cavs. I agree with Every you. Every other team, at least for the time being, has significant weaknesses where I think you can compete or beat them on a nightly basis. And I agree. Um, when you look down at these standings, too, you've got Boston. They're, they're probably going to get in the play-in spot. They've won two straight, seven out of ten. They're on the plus side. Washington is creeping up too. But Washington, like I said before, is a tough team to uh, 
play on the road. So when you're betting Washington, for example, and I know that you have some great information there, go ahead and share some of what you've, you've studied for this show. Yeah, well, I think Washington is a team potentially to fade. And one of the things you brought up earlier is the injuries that they've had. And this is this actually speaks to what I'm going to talk about on my podcast later today. But you expect when Bradley Beal goes out, it's like, oh, Washington's going to struggle. Well, Washington actually has a better offensive rating when Beal's not playing this year. And that doesn't mean they're not a better team with him. But I think we automatically assume some of those teams. And I think Washington just significantly overperformed at the beginning of the year. So I don't think that they're a team that I would be buying right now. In terms of in terms of trends, though, like looking at these different teams and deciding which ones you want to play, I do think another thing to really pay attention to, and this is something that maybe takes a little bit more research to do, so that's a tough thing, but is specific players who are in and out. So like once Milwaukee gets Drew Holiday back, Mm -hmm. I'm going to be much more interested in betting them. And I'll probably watch it right away as soon as he comes back because the books may not adjust enough for the impact that he makes. Uh, And there are other teams like that where a single player makes a big impact. Clint Capella is actually that way for Atlanta's offense. Right. They're significantly better when Clint Capella is playing. So that's another one that I would would watch. But yeah, individual players, I would just say for people who are listening, you know, you can go out and do the research yourself and, uh, or, you know, I can share more, but players being in or out doesn't always have the impact that you think it will. And so one of the ways I think to lose betting is to see that a certain player is out who maybe is a star player and just auto bet the other team. Cause it might not have as big of an impact as you think it does. And that's a bad, that's a bad practice because you know, people think that these kids on the bench are scrubs, and no one's a scrub in the NBA. In, in the right situation, they're all stars. They're all stars. And, yep. and when you look at it that way, it's a different thing. Now, if I'm, I always put myself in their shoes, if I can, and I say, you know what? If Bradley Beal's not playing and I get to play, I want playing time. I want people to see what I can do so that if it doesn't work out here in Washington, I can go somewhere else. And I also think that the opponents lighten up a little bit on that extra guy taking Beal's place, if you will, because, you know, they're going to let him shoot and prove himself. And, and I think that's a great point you made is that you've got to pay attention to the on-off splits. You know, I know folks that don't and they win, but I don't know many that do. And it's important. And, and one thing Trevor does on his daily video is, is tell you these things. And that's fantastic. When you look at the Western Conference, so Trevor, and this is going great, by the way. I'm enjoying this conversation. Phoenix is running away with things. But you know where I like them the best? Is when where? they're playing conference games because they're 21-7 and seven in the, against the Western Conference. So if you catch them on the road one night and you get that team like I said, on the road against another Western Conference, and that money line is less than minus 200 because they're usually a favorite, I'm pulling the trigger on the money line almost every time with Phoenix. Yeah, I think it's a, a great call. And they're, I think one of the things I love about Phoenix is, again, that they are so consistent, and they're not dependent on any single player. So you can have Booker go out earlier in the season, and they still move along pretty well. You can have Aiton go out 
They're actually, this is another guy I'm going to be talking about later. There are some numbers that say that in some ways they're a better team when Aiden's out because they have other size that can fill in. So I think that's a good team to look at, as you said, in specific situations away in those games to be able to kind of auto bet them or at least look at them more heavily right away because you know they're going to give you a consistent effort and output. And that's exactly right, like Memphis. Now, Memphis is a team where I fell into that trap, and I played I played Oklahoma City Thunder against Memphis when John Morant, the first night John Morant missed an entire game. And Memphis beat them by 73 points. <laughs> and, and I said, you know, this is interesting. And, and I started to look at those on-off splits. I thought it was still too early. I don't usually mess with that until the All-Star break. But, you know, I started after that. And, and there's a big difference between how the Grizzlies play when John Morant is on the floor and how they play when he's off the floor. And that's not a knock against John Morant because he's fantastic. But the reality is, is they step up and play better defense when he's not on the floor. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Their defense was the best in the league while he was out. And some of that might have been that they knew they had to play even better defense because they were down a really good offensive player. But to your point, with how many points they scored against Oklahoma City, they did just fine offensively with him out, too. I mean, they're better with him in. But, yeah, they played phenomenal. That's a talented team all the way across the board. And that's another team that, for me right now, is sort of an auto bet almost every night. I mean, I have... Sorry, I shouldn't say auto bet. I should say I'm automatically looking at potentially betting them every night. Right. Because they're so strong on offense, so strong on defense. When you read what's coming out of the locker room there, they're really together as a team. They want to keep winning. They have a passion for that. They're not just sort of sleepwalking through the season. I think they really want to challenge to be the top team in the West. And I think they're going after that. So that is a team that, again, because of all they bring to the table, like Phoenix, I think you can just look to potentially bet them almost every night. And, and like, we try to, you know, because we want to cash. And, and that's the key. Now, Utah. Now, I talked about the Jazz here. Probably the fan base is going to slander me. But 8-14 and 14 against the spread at home. That's not an indictment of who this team is because they're pretty good at home. They're 14-8. and eight. But they, those point spreads are so big. For a team that, even though they are third in the Western Conference in point differential, I don't consider Utah an explosive offense, though. Do you? Uh, a little bit. Okay. I think, yeah, so I think the thing that throws you off with Utah is like yesterday against the Lakers, which is a bet that I lost, they just lay these eggs sometimes where they shoot terribly. And they, they scored 96 points yesterday. But the biggest thing to me with Utah is whether Gobert is playing or not. They're, they're scoring 106, or I'm sorry, 116.2 points a game when he plays and only 108.6 when he doesn't. And if you look at how many points they've scored in the last month and a half or so with Gobert, they're 120 plus about two thirds of the time. So I actually think this is a pretty explosive offense. And I think when you're looking for spots to bet, so they just scored 96 against the Lakers. I'm really interested in their team total, what their team total will be in their next game. Because I think they probably rebound with a big offensive game after that. Right. And that's the way you can pull the trigger. Now, I had the under last night for a couple reasons. One, I'm not a big fan of Utah on the road. 
And as far as point production, I get nervous with that team. And the other thing is, is I can't trust the Lakers. You don't know what you're getting from the Lakers. But we know what we're always going to get from the Utah Jazz, and that's a full defensive effort, especially when Rudy Gobert is on the floor. And they are much better defensively, and rightly so, because Gobert is one of the best defensive players in the game. And I'm wondering, how much stock do you put in defensive trends? Because I know you got a bunch of those. Yeah, I put a lot of stock in them. I mean, I mean, I I look a lot at both defensive rating and points allowed, and I do look for trends. And then what I what I try to do is decipher, like I said earlier, is this a trend that's going to continue downward, or is there a reason why maybe a team is overachieving or underachieving and it's going to move back toward the middle? And obviously, that's something that's different in every situation, but. Uh, Like, I'll give you one, and this is something I'm watching in terms of bets right now. When you think of Charlotte, the Charlotte Hornets, what do you think of? Uh, I think of uh, Anthony Mason. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) That's a good answer right there. That's that's my that was he was my brother, man. I loved him to death and I miss him terribly. But yeah, because I have (laughs) when when he left the Knicks and went to play for uh, Charlotte, I have uh, one of his jerseys, actually. Nice. Yeah, what a good guy. What a what a tough guy. But that's who I think oh, of. Oh, for Trevor. sure. I'm for sorry sure. to derail you with my memory lane old guy stuff. But go ahead. What else you got? Well, well, I would just say so. When I think of, we'll go with the Charlotte Hornets this year. I think of a high flying team that puts up tons of points, but also allows a ton of points. More recently, that's actually been less true. I mean, there are games where it's true. But Charlotte actually hasn't been scoring a ton. They've been under 110 a lot of the time. And they're also playing better defense. They've actually allowed under 100 points in like four out of their last 10. So when you talk about defensive trends, I do pay attention to those. And Charlotte's a great example of what I'm paying attention to. Because a lot of times I like the trends where it's varying from where things have been and what people expect, because we're probably still going to get higher over-unders on Charlotte. I think the books are starting to adjust some. Mm-hmm. But if we watch the trend, they're playing better defense. And so that can create good spots for value and betting. And you know what? You're going to pick up a lot more if you listen to Trevor's podcast. Go ahead and tell folks where we can find it before we get into these two games for uh, tonight. Yeah, so you can find it wherever you get your podcasts, hopefully. It for sure is on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. It's called NBA Breakdown. Uh, And also, if you do go on Twitter and click my profile, as Phil said earlier, at NBA Attack, I have the link to sort of the podcast homepage in there that gives you links to wherever you want to get the podcast from. So that's how you can find it. And that's awesome, by the way. And I and and you know what? Please leave a review when you head on over. I usually don't ask for myself, but I'm trying to help this young fella out and do his thing. It's great work. Otherwise, he doesn't get on his show. And you'll enjoy this podcast as much as I have. And I will get over there and, and leave a review this evening when I have a few minutes because it's a, it's a great show. You're going to really enjoy it. More importantly, you're going to learn from it. And hopefully you cash. Now, we got a couple of basketball games for tonight, an easier slate. I can watch more tennis tonight. <laughs> yep. I will be watching my beloved Knicks host the Timberwolves tonight. Minnesota is a two-and-a-half-point away favorite. 
and the total is 214 points. And what do you like about this one? Well, the first time these two teams played this year, the Knicks won 96 to 88. Mm-hmm. That was December 28th. But really important to note that Minnesota didn't have Towns or Russell. Right. And this is another Minnesota having Towns and Russell is the difference between them being a bottom of the Western Conference team and a team that can be competitive with anyone in the conference on a nightly basis. So it's a really big deal for them to have Towns and Russell in or not. So I don't put a ton of stock in that. I do think that this game is a pretty hard one to cap because you have basically two different trends colliding with each other. On the one side, you have the Knicks who are just filthy on defense lately. Uh, They've given up under 100 points in 10 or sorry, nine out of their last 10 games at home. So playing in Madison Square Garden, they're just not letting anyone score. On the other hand, Minnesota is scoring pretty well away from home, putting up a decent number of points. And a lot of that has to do with the pace of the teams they play against. So when they play teams that have a higher pace, they they score more points. That's obvious, right? But even proportionally, it's pretty different. When Minnesota plays teams who play under a 98 pace, they're eight and five. And then they're, they're, the spread of their how many points they score is really a range from under 100 to 120. So Minnesota's scoring well. The Knicks are not allowing people to score. The question is which one of those prevails tonight in in New York. So do you have, do you have thoughts on that? Oh, I have plenty actually. Great, let's hear them. I will. Um you know one of the things that I look at is how a team plays the night before and especially at home. Now this is the second game of a home back-to-back for New York and they lost by 10 I think last night. What was it? 10. Either way they lost. And, and but more importantly they were embarrassing in their loss. And that's not something that Tibbs is going to allow very often. What you said about their defense is spot on, especially at home. And, you know, at the end of the day, Minnesota is a good basketball team away from at least covering the spread-wise. Yep. They are good. They're very good. But, you know, one of the things that I like the most is I just like the Knicks at home, especially the way they're playing because recent play matters. Teams that get hot usually stay hot. And Julius Randle is not a fan. Uh, Not a fan of the Minnesota Timberwolves. That's pretty clear. The other thing that I'm looking at, yeah, they lost by 10 to Charlotte. Now, okay, and the game stayed under. So I think my play tonight, in in light of everything that you said, I think with the team here and their fifth in points allowed, which and I think first in points allowed at home over the last five, right? And, yep. and but here here's where they're tough. They're five and one against the spread in their last six. They're a much better defensive team without Kemba Walker. Kemba Walker's probably not gonna play tonight. And they're up against a healthy Timberwolves team that uh distributes the ball pretty well, but is three and two against the spread in their last five against the Knicks. I just don't trust the T-Wolves enough against this red-hot Knicks team. I know they lost, and that doesn't make sense. But when they play at home, they usually do pretty well. Now, they didn't cover last night, but that's not their fault. because They didn't score because they kept Charlotte under 100 points, and I think that's a Herculean effort right there. I'm taking the Knicks on the money line. I'm taking the under. All right, I love it. Why so, not? Only one small way I would disagree with you. Do it. I think... Do it. 
I think them keeping the keeping the Hornets under a hundred is good, but Charlotte just isn't the same offensive team lately. So I think that's kind of what the Knicks are doing right now, and that's the reason why I am with you on the Knicks money line because they have been limiting teams so much offensively. And I think the way the Timberwolves win this game is to score more than 110 points. So I think if you think the Timberwolves are going to win, you like the over or at least the team total over. But if like you and like me, you think this is a better spot for the Knicks, that makes me like the under more because I think that if the Knicks win, it remains a low scoring game, sort of like it was against Charlotte last night. So that's the direction I'm going on this game. Yeah, that makes sense to me too. So I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to lay the points. I'm going to take them on the money line. I'm going to hit a triple on this one. You know, that's what I want to do today, Trevor, hit a triple. Now the second game of the night, the last game of the night, Golden State's at home. They're spotting the Pistons 14 and a half. But it's a 216 and a half point total. Which way do we go with this? Well, we'd probably watch some tennis or something because <laughs> this game, I don't know, man, Detroit and Golden State. I I do have a way that I'm I'm going on this one, but it's another difficult one. Golden State's just in so much disarray right now. Draymond Green being out is probably one of the most substantial absences of any player in the NBA. If you look at the swing and offensive and defensive rating when they're in versus when they're out, mm-hmm. Golden State's just an absolutely different team. You also have them trying to reacclimate Clay Thompson, who has played okay but hasn't played great and is still only getting 20 minutes a game, 22 maybe. So I think that disrupts their rhythm. And then you had Steph hurting his wrist last night, and it looks like he's going to play. So apparently it's not too bad, but you just wonder, is that going to have any impact on him when he's already been in a pretty prolonged shooting slump? I mean, Golden State, we think of as this high-flying team, and I actually think by the end of the year they will be again. I think they'll get out of this slump. But right now, they're just not scoring. They've scored under 100 points in six out of their last seven games. And granted, many of those have been on the road, but they're just struggling on a game-to-game basis. And until Draymond Green comes back, I don't know that they get out of that slump for good. Detroit, on the other hand, has been playing better. I don't mean that they're a good team. I just mean that they've been a little bit more competitive team. Um, They are bad on defense against good teams. So that's one of the hard things for me here is you have a Golden State team that hasn't been scoring at all versus a Detroit team that gives up a lot of points to good offensive teams. So which way do you go with it? I think this is a place where I have to lean on the short-term trend and say that Golden State is not going to break out and score a ton of points tonight. And they do play better defense at home. And so I think I would, I'm looking at Detroit plus the points tonight and then the under 216 and a half. You know, I like that play, the under 216 and a half, because Detroit's had a hard time scoring without Jeremy Grant on the floor. You know, he does a lot of nice things for them. But this spread, I don't want to touch. Even though Golden State is terrific at home, I believe, against the spread, I have to flip my page over. Yeah, sure, 14 and 6. That's a lot of points without Draymond. You know, Draymond is from my high school, in fact. So I have much love for my little brother. And at the end of the day, though, I don't have any love for this spread. I'm gonna I'm gonna join you and play the under. Now you're you're just leaning toward the Pistons, right? Yeah, I don't think that's something I would actually play. Okay. Uh, be, be, when the spreads get that wide, 
if anything, I prefer to watch them live and either get a lot more points or see it come back toward Golden State if they're playing well. But I, I def, the under is the play I like the most in this game. I think so, too. I'm going to agree with you, and I'm going to track that at BetStamp. That's where you can find all picks made on the Phil Nason Show as well as the Wolfline Sports Trading Newsletter. Great stuff today, Trevor. Well done. Thank you for being here. Now, one more time, tell everybody how to find you, what you're up to, and then we'll call this a day. All right. I appreciate it, Phil. I will do that. But I do want to say, too, not that you need it from me, but if anyone out there is not listening to This Week in Tennis, you need to go do it. I just listened to my first episode this last week. I'm hooked. Not only is it great, a great tennis podcast, but it was just a fun podcast to listen to. So I know you're not asking me to do that, but, but I love oh, it. So if you, anybody's man. not following it, they should do it. Uh, and for me, just find me on Twitter, at NBA Attack. All the info is in my, uh, in my bio there. And we'd love to have you check out the podcast and let me know what you think. We're developing this thing. Uh, hopefully, I think Phil's going to even come on sometime and yep. talk through the NBA slate with me. And so I want to make it the best product I can. So happy to have any, you know, not mean, but constructive feedback uh, to make it the best it can be for everybody. There you go. That's great stuff. And, yep, I'll be honored to join you anytime you need me. You know that I, I couldn't do it yesterday because it was too last minute. Oh, it was so last minute. That's yeah. the worst thing about doing a daily show, right, is you got these guests. And I've been very fortunate that I don't get canceled on very often. But when it happens, especially at the last minute, like when I was in Greece, when I started all this, back in Greece, and I was doing this show at 2 o'clock in the morning. That's Ooh. not an easy time to find out you got to find another guest. You know, that he, is not. That is I'd be, not. I'd be asleep, so. <laughs> yeah, see, but it would be like 9 o'clock your time in the East, but the problem is, is it's hard to get somebody at 9 o'clock at night. You know, People are already winding down or they've already planned what they're going to do, and if you weren't in their plans, you probably leave yourself out of it. That's what I think. But anyway, great stuff today, man. You got to go over and check out Trevor. Thanks for the plug for This Week in Tennis. Craig and I have been doing that show together for 11 years, and 14 in total I've been doing it. It's the show that started it all. I'll tell you what, that's going to wrap it up for today's show. I want to thank PlayUp.com, PlayUp Sportsbook, for presenting this show. Don't forget, all bets are tracked. All picks made on this show are tracked at BetStamp.app. And don't forget the Wolf Line newsletter. You can find that over at cashwithflash.com. Until next time, you all take care of yourselves. Be good. And most importantly... Ladies and gentlemen, my mother thanks you. My father thanks you. My sister thanks you. And I thank you. Thanks for listening to The Phil Nason Show. Download us at your favorite podcast catcher, including iTunes, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. And please leave a review. You can follow Phil on social media at Cash with Flash and like our Facebook show page.